Hello, viewers and listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Slaves to the Algo. I'm thrilled to continue my conversation with Sundar Raman on how data and AI is a key influencer in sports and the economics of the IPL. In the last episode, we talked a lot about the birth of the IPL, player auctions, and how data is being used in the field of play, and how at the for the player, intuition still plays a big role. In today's episode, we'll talk about franchising and broadcasting economics, audience engagement, and the metaverse. Welcome back to the show, Sundar. Hi, Suresh. Good to be back. Yeah, it looks like we could uh, keep doing a series of episodes on sports and data and, and where this is headed. But uh, let's get straight to, into it this time, uh, Sundar. The, the IPL this time, the mega auctions, two new teams, uh, both bidding like, you know, really, really large amounts. And, you know, soon, I think this year, we're going to have the auction of the broadcasting that's coming up. Do you think that entry of those two new teams uh, uh, and, and the amounts that were bid for them is kind of set the tone for the upcoming sale of media rights? I mean, you've got Disney, you've got Star, you've got, um, I mean, uh, you've got Sony, Viacom, Amazon, everybody's wanting to get in on that, on that act. So where do you think this is headed? I think... Uh... <clears throat> Every time you do a media rights auction, you will always feel at the end of the rights period that somebody got it for a steal of a price. That's happened with the current rights piece and that will happen with the next set of rights piece. I think the market in India, particularly for sports rights, is far from hitting the, hitting the stealing or, or uh, you know, plateauing. Uh, in a market where TV is growing, subscription audience is still under-leveraged or under-monetized under-disclosed uh, and OTT platforms, you know, galloping in multilingual, uh, the the numbers are are uh, very far away from platform. If any property is going to deliver the kind of reach that the IPL is going to deliver, there's absolutely no reason why um, uh, perceived breaking the bank won't happen this time around. And that's interesting because you say at the end of every auction period, people all, at the beginning, everybody says, they overpay, they'll never make it. And at the end, they always say, it looks like that was a steal. How does that happen? I mean, you know, uh, why does that happen literally every time? And it's happened not just in the IPL, it's hap happened in the EPL, it's happened in multiple um, broadcast rights. Yeah, it happens because people who are engaged in the bidding process or wanting to own a team or in this case, the media rights are probably predicting the next five or seven or 10 year cycle ahead on what the market is going to be and what dynamics are going to drive that change. Whereas a common reader is not so thick into the weeds in terms of what are the changes that's going to impact and whether the business metrics is going to work or not. So therefore, the reaction is more media-led and say, oh, that's a big price. If you look at effectively even the franchises, you started off saying it's a big number. The fact is, it is a big number. The fact is also not all of that number is being paid on day one. It is paid over a 10-year period. It's like saying you bought a house for a million dollars, but if you have to pay it over a 10-year period, you haven't actually bought the house for a million dollars in present value of money. So I think the, the value is something that is predicated on how well the market is developing. And all of us go out and buy, buy homes and you know properties and assets, right? And that's very much the thinking. You go and invest in a, in a place that you see 
is going to develop the rest of the ecosystem is going to come the theater that's going to come there's a metro train that's going to come there the schools go that, that are going to come up there and therefore the property price is going to increase exactly that for uh, media rights or for uh, uh, franchise ownership so in some way what you're saying is um, that the way people are bidding for let's say media rights the way people are bidding for franchise rights and the way people are bidding for players is essentially in some ways a data led thing where you're really trying to look at the the net present value i mean it's so, so familiar when you say net present value for everybody who does a business plan so it seems almost that everything is coming down to a, a data led financial metric when people are doing this it's not it's not an emotional thing because you're talking about large sums of money i think uh, in the player piece there are combination of emotions as well as uh, uh, data that certainly plays because you're fitting in specific roles okay in ownership rights of a franchisee or a media rights it's it's a one or zero you in in the case of a player auction you don't get a player x you have a like player in player y who you can get in the case of ipl rights for a media or a franchisee either you get it or you don't get it if you don't get it then you go out and do other things which is why the world of cricket economics is revolving largely around the values of what the ipl bid is so can i go and bid the other market so everybody sorts of waits at the gates of um, media rights to say okay this engine is cleared now so there is money or there is clarity on whether england rights australia rights south africa rights or you know any of the other asian cricket council rights all of that are are in the ambit any of them go first they will only realize that they are not going to be the first most sort of sort after with uh, impending ipl rights coming so i think it's almost like a prioritized ahead in, in terms of everything else because that that gives directions to everybody and do they have you've been obviously part of some of these auctions in different roles do they have game theorists working on this because you know i say said a player competitive thing is very different from a franchise uh, in some ways do they have game theorists sitting in and advising them on on how to play this like they do for telecom bidding rights if if you call the consultants game theorists maybe yes but uh, the, the fact is there is a lot of brains that are already residual in the organization embedded as a part of the strategy team or the rights team or the syndication team or or you know mna team and these are large corporations who are in this uh, in this sector right so they don't suddenly invite people and say you know can you can you can you put this piece together because not only do they have to buy the rights they sometimes have to shape the environment as things come along so it's important to say that you know uh, i want to go from a, a multilingual of two three languages to truly multilingual of seven eight languages what are the implications of it for me as a channel what are the uh, associated benefits or the halo of owning a media rights with the ipl or the icc or the bcc for that matter on the rest of the channel what kind of advertise account can i improve basis this what kind of values can i bring in what kind of price points can i keep my subscription revenue at so cricket allows you both award and award right because the 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 sport is very well structured for a commercial break at the end of every over which is which is which you're not uh, sort of uh, minding in a manner of speaking it's not football where you you stop the game to to have a commercial interruption it's like tennis it has it has a commercial natural break in the in the format itself which allows you monetization of award as well as on an award model because you want to see the best quality coverage and and that i think brings me to this topic of how people you know ultimately you know you do that you buy the teams you get the teams you know you get the players in you're getting the rights 
but ultimately it's a day it's a moment of the game and and there is where not only do you get the actual sport being played but you have the monetization of the audiences that that people are trying to buy right and you know it always seemed to me that you know the IPL game um, literally transformed the face of sport because it became like also a fun entertainment thing apart from just being a great sporting event and you worked with multiple event teams broadcast teams to deliver a great experience both in on tv and and and, and inside the stadium right then you have the pandemic where there is absolutely no experience inside the stadium and audience engagement needs to take a different turn and some of the things that happen seem a little bit juvenile like people are like you know waving and like you know somewhere from a television but um my question really in this whole thing is it looks like we're going to be in this hybrid model of engagement where certainly crowds will come back but you know most of it is happening off that how do you actually drive audience engagement um, apart from you know all the carnival stuff in this thing is there a science behind this whole thing as to you know making sure that a more and more viewers coming on i think uh, there are um there are two segments of audience level of engagement or three segments if i may call it that there is a broadcaster who's trying to do something from engaging the viewers on on air or on ott platforms there are the teams which are trying to um engage the viewer from their social media behind the scenes shoulder content you know lead ups programming post match activities fun stuff family stuff that happens inside the the bubble or inside the, uh, the the temple corridor if you may call it that um and third is the federation who are trying to attract the newer audience who are trying to get more um, widened base so it's, it's it's a slow process of going um mile wide from inch deep to meter deep to you know kilometer deep i think that's what it is the sport is mile wide mm-hmm. um, the engagement level is probably inch deep in in that segment So, and all of these stakeholders are actually trying to deepen that engagement so that it becomes a true and proper um spectacle which provides the best competitive action on field and the most engaging experience uh, for the viewers in the stadium or or and on the it, platforms and while i can understand that the three of them are very have different objectives um and i presume they have their own strategies is there a cyclical effect as you know franchises get more people involved the broadcaster benefits are they actually working together or is it like three independent pieces each driving a flywheel it's a it's a bit of a um um a frenemy kind of effort it's not that anybody is competing with each other but the fact is they all understand the success of a league is in the success of the team and the success of the team is in the success of the league i think that symbiotic relationship is well understood uh in the early days of ipl at least i used to work with a specific brief to my broadcast team and to my uh, you know events team so you make the experience on television so good that people should wonder why should i go to a stadium because i get the closest view when i when i sit at home in the game therefore we added a lot of uh, action whether it was a helmet cam or a eye cam or a you know the the spider cam etc etc you know we took a lot of stuff improved graphics and things like that whereas to the event team the brief was quite clearly saying you make the event experience so good that people was wondering what are, what the hell am i doing sitting and watching it on a television so it is to the same team we give contradictory briefs to ensure they work together and therefore the symbiotic nature comes out when the broadcaster is able to show fans having a great experience in the stadium 
a viewer starts to enjoy and join that experience too. So uh, none of it is data, right? A lot of it is is a is getting a touch and feel for the game, for the consumer, for the fan, and reacting as a viewer and as a fan. So while you while you feel people are stretching the elastic on both sides, they're actually helping build a bigger and better property. And at the franchise level, can you share in your years of looking at this stuff, possibly one or two really good examples of people who have done a great job of this whole audiencing, you know, fan engagement thing. I mean, some fans, some teams seem tend to have a fanatical following and um, others are kind of there. So what's your, could you give us a couple of examples of what do you think have been great, great ideas out there that people have done? I think um, um, there, there are innumerable examples, right? And over a 15 year journey, you have to have the continuity of engagement to be able to deliver the kind of experience that uh, you want fans to, fans to actually react and respond to. It started off with uh, uh, a few of the franchises, I think Mumbai and Chennai and RCB, actually distributing flags of their team color, which made the stadium look blue and yellow and red and as the case is. A good example is probably what, what the Royal Challengers Bangalore are doing in terms of uh, great fan experience in um, off-shoulder content and actually building a very steady stream of engagement on digital platforms to keep the action interesting and alive through the season, whether it's a RCB podcast featuring Virat Kohli or any of the other engagements. Uh, uh, Mumbai has been doing it very, very aggressively in terms of their uh, <laughs> their engagement on social and digital media. Started off many years ago doing a you know a Facebook campaign where you ask the question to the, the player on Facebook and then you you get engagement done. And this was the early days of, of the fan engagement, right? And Chennai is, has, has fans all over all over the country. And you um, wherever you go, it, it is it is Chennai city for uh, for the fans. So. The way they leverage so, their players. You know, you mentioned that it was so funny. I was in the last Dubai, uh, in, in, in the last IPL final in Dubai. And I actually would have thought that, you know, when, you know, some of the other teams would have had greater support out there simply because Dubai is much more cosmopolitan. But I was amazed. It was a sea of yellow. I don't know. I didn't expect to see Chennai in Dubai. I don't know how they did it. I think it it, uh, it, is, uh, it is a large amount of consistency of performance, the way they play their game, the way they carry themselves and the leadership that, that MSD has, has, has shown and demonstrated both while playing, representing the country as well as for the franchise. And I think it's it's probably everybody's favourite team or second favourite team if, if, if there's got to be one. So I think that's the way the franchise is, is engaged with the fans. And you know the, the way they actually communicate is also very local and very earthy, right? And you know, when everybody talks about IPL is starting, this is starting, that is starting. You know, Chennai will put out a simple one-word tweet saying, Aramik Langla. You know, just a very, very earthy way of saying, you know, what's this fanfare about? Let's start. You know, can we, I think that's the way they connect with the fans in a very, very um, rooted manner. And that's a style that they've developed. Similarly, RCB has developed a style, MA has developed a style, RR is developing a style. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Delhi has developed a style, so it, it's all it's all left to them. And two things you talked about: three people who are monetizing this. But I found another thing. I think we referred to it in the last episode. You also have now the players actually driving their own engagement because they have such large individual followings. In many ways, they are the ones actually. Um, you know, they have larger followings than any particular tournament or stuff, right? Like you know, whether it's Kohli, Ashwin, all these people. Is that also becoming a bit factor in this whole audience engagement that I want to follow 
and if it's football it's ronaldo and messi if it's cricket it's kohli it's you know it might be ashwin it might be umrah so that's um, is that is that becoming a big thing now the the player piece actually started to get even more traction during the lockdown because most of them were sitting in their uh, in their homes and not getting practice or game time which allowed them to reconnect with the fans through social platforms a lot of players used to get their social handles managed by managers and therefore a lot of it in a manner of speaking was curated much against the grain of what social media itself was but once they started to engage themselves do podcasts do insta chats and do you know come out into the open and make themselves accessible and available you know ask x or y or z as a, as a hashtag started to trend and i think they took those 10 minutes 15 minutes half an hour windows to actually improve their connect that directly led to a better monetization opportunity for them on personal endorsements and social media posts and stuff like that so what the web 2 has actually done is allowed a two way communication right but it has not allowed the ownership of that content to be with the creators in a manner of speaking so i think that's the that's the way the the, the engagement um, uh, carpet is rolling and it will it will start to see more and more action some of them are shy some of them are not uh, you know very uh, friendly with, with social media and a few of them who are are actually uh, you know having a very very good time and engaging time and i want to come to that uh, i think you know that's really the last big point that i want to talk to you about which is the whole evolution towards web3 and the metaverse and all that but one more thing on the audience engagement um, gamification the whole idea of fantasy the whole idea where you know i can be the manager that's also seem to be another thing that's uh, becoming literally practically every sport but definitely in the ipl as well a big thing in terms of uh, driving audience engagement um, thoughts yes the the, the first uh, you know quality fantasy league if you may call it was started by the ipl whether uh, whether uh, you know it was it was for an engagement reason or or uh, you know connecting with the fans the, you know whatever be the reason the, the real reason as as i put it was it helped fans stay engaged and familiarize themselves with players because that time you you needed to have you know one uncapped player who you should be a part of your squad and it was not for money right it was for audience engagement it allowed you to familiarize with the players allowed you to familiarize with the teams allowed you to familiarize with the with the results that are going to happen that the your team was playing or not the success of any league is in polarizing um fans in in terms of you know i i i am a bayern fan i am a uh, you know you don't have a bundesliga fan in the real sense you have a bayern fan or a um <clears throat> borussia dortmund fan polarization actually drives the, the tribalism for the engagement but what it also does is it takes away the interest from the rest of the 70 matches that the other teams are playing the team is not playing or 60 matches it is how do you get them to stay connected with the results of what is happening all of us follow the game yep in some capacity you know whether we are watching it on quick info or following a score or a update that comes on our uh, notification we follow the more people follow the game today but not necessarily watch the game I'm not talking about the ipl i'm talking about cricket in general and particularly in test matches and stuff like that right so what a fantasy league does is it allows you to be engaged in the game for far more longer irrespective of whether your team is playing or not because your players are playing and you have a you have a sort of a um uh, leaderboard which uh, status which allows you to cry from the rooftop saying you know what yeah. i want to play down 
You make a really interesting point, and you know, you talked about polarization drives the success and engagement, but it fragments the attention because everybody starts to go into a smaller thing. And you talked earlier about you know how you had to drive the in-stadium experience and say that is the best, and you had to drive the on-television experience and say that's the best. It's almost as if you're saying that this whole fantasy league and the gamification is something that keeps them involved in between because and universally across the whole league. Uh, am I getting this right? It 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 is one of the ways that it is keeping them involved, right? I think fantasy league is one way of engagement that that has happened in in uh, in, in the sport. There have been a lot of other real money engagements that have happened. See, the, the the delta has always been the only avenue you gave fans to show their uh, interest in the game was buy a ticket or buy a jersey. Now there are more and more ways that that are evolving that I can show my interest in the game, whether it's real money gaming or uh, or or you know any other format or, or ownership of of collectibles and all the other stuff is what is driving that that change as as we see it. So it, it is it is an important aspect of what the game engagement is, but I think the economic model there needs a bit of restructuring in my view. In what way? Uh, I think the. The fact is, um, if somebody is going to earn a dollar on the back of a performance of somebody else, is there a, is there a fairness in the distribution of that dollar? That's a great question because you know you ask this question even in the context of advertising and what you call there's a new trend that's working on this way, saying that it's my data, but a platform is making all the money by allowing somebody to target me based on my preferences that I reveal to the platform. So no, I think it's also the other way, right? Somewhat similar. No, it's right? also the other way, right? Take take the take the music industry as an example, right? You listen to a Pink Floyd song or a um, or a Dire Straits song, wherever you are in the world, there is a there's a royalty that is getting collected and accumulated to the artist or to the album, which eventually go to the artist. So, what is the equivalent of a KL Rahul scoring a fifty here and Suresh Shankar making, you know, five lakhs because he had KL Rahul in his team? Opening and that is, I think, almost the perfect segue, uh, Sundar, into not what all that's happened in the last 12 years, but what's going to happen in the next 10. And the whole idea of the creator economy, the Web 3.0, the metaverse, all of the stuff that's coming our way. And uh, clearly, uh, I mean, I know Face Technology, the company that you're the co-founder of, is also kind of trying to do something that's ahead of time. But as we go through this whole thing, how is this going to change the game fundamentally? Because I think it leads up so well to this question. I'm a player. Do I get a right like a music producer or whatever it is? I'm a participant as a spectator, as a person playing a fantasy league. But, you know, I'm also being targeted by somebody else who's actually providing the platform. How is this whole world going to work over the next four, three, four years? Because clearly sport is one of those areas where this whole idea, whether it's NFTs, the metaverse, the experiences, the use of, you know, and democratization can come together very well. Indeed, I think it's very early days in, in that space and um, people are discovering newer and newer models, but uh, the, the central theme that is running around this model is um, the participants are the, the, the owners of what they've created. And I think that's a, that's a strong story that is, that is coming out uh, uh, as, as the layers are getting revealed, right? Uh, what started off with a, with a distributed ledger for economic value transfer is opening a lot more doors and lot many doors in terms of the creator economy or ownership or 
what web3 is trying to obviously do is give the the constraints that web2 had imposed into a slightly more uh, decentralized manner to the actual creator and i think uh, it's very early to say what is going to happen 5 years or 10 years from now but it's quite clear it is headed in a direction where there may be fairness in the way the economy is distributing between the creators the data owners or the data footprint creators and the the, the platforms in a manner of speaking so that's where that's where the, the change is going to happen and that's kind of i know it's early days but you know you're sitting there you're in that middle of the trend you're trying to create a company that's going out there and i see it happening in music i see it happening in in sport right i mean the taylor swift on the right spotify is a platform they need to take a share of it the audience is actually being monetized is actually me and my time um you know there's a recording label and there's a whole industry in between that can make taylor swift achieve her dreams and now we're having taylor swift fighting back against that 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 industry in between we're having the the, the artists and the platform like spotify and all that stuff kind of um, discuss what's my share of the pie and you also have the other thing coming from the consumer side saying listen at the end of the day all of you are making money of me and what's my share of this right and so ultimately where do you think and you know the same thing is true in sports right ultimately where do you think uh, what do you think will be the next few big moves that will happen in this space i i think um there will be a coexistence model this will open up newer revenue stream which is direct to consumer rather than a b2b2c model that's focused hitherto lived in the blockchain as a as a concept or as a as a as a stage of evolution is probably in the early 90s uh, as internet was you know you thought email was the the, the coolest app that uh, that the internet could produce and you know we had icqs and uh, you know whatever that that uh, fancy stuff that is there nobody thought of any app economy nobody thought of a talk back into the it was largely physical domain available content that is being now available on 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 a computer that was the that was stage one of of the evolution right stage two obviously opened up two way communication you know i know where my uber driver is i know where my swiggy delivery guy is i know where uh, uh you know my money is I, i i can we can interact in a platform like this was unheard of or unthought through in in, in possibly 20 years ago or 30 years ago 25 years ago in the early days of internet so blockchain is in that space currently today the if it is not disrupting the current ecosystem then there's something wrong then it's not seen as a powerful force enough to to change the industry right if it is having these conversation what is going to happen what are the what are what is going to happen to our taylor swift and the value chain that is covering making her the star it is disruption and you we all have seen the seen the days of uh, erp software and and, and the rise of the accountants right and says no 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 this is this will not work that will not work. but the fact is they, they they become better accountants or or more efficient accountants in in the matter of speaking i'm not saying erp as, as an accounting software think how that evolution happens in in the space so you will start to find there will be a few disruptions there will be coexisting models people still listen to radio in the world of internet right so it's it's not it's not probably listen to more radio now it's not disappearing yeah and that comes back to again um, you know what you know you're trying to do with 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 phase and you know the fact that you're trying to create all these nfts linked to specific clips from the icc's back catalog and one of the interesting things is that i always keep wondering this about technology right i've been in this business for a long time and i keep saying we when we say we'll do personalization it is always i mean my grocer i mean my 
the corner shop guy used to know my family and all the preferences, right? We didn't have any computers. So the same way, when I think about sport, it's like you had these um, cards, right? The player cards that we all used to collect. In the US, it was baseball cards. In India, it was cricket cards. I'm sure it was football cards in the UK. Um, isn't that, isn't this whole NFT thing a little bit like trying to take things that we have done in the past before about how you get fan engagement, but bring it back in a different way in the form of technology, or is it something more? Um, conceptually, it is, it is that. But the big delta that is coming in is at least in an in a Indian market, there have been no uh, analogs or physical analogs like it has been existing in the US market in terms of trading cards and you know jersey sale and stuff like that. What the digitization is helping you do is actually give you provenance, give you proof, give you authenticity and give you scarcity, right? I know it is a jersey that is signed by player X or it is an authentic clip and it's all on the blockchain. If you gave me a trading card signed by uh, Wayne Gretzky, I will think it is Wayne Gretzky. I wouldn't know to verify it. There's no way of me validating it. But in this case, if you give me a clip signed by, you know, a digital clip from um, from, from the NBA side with, with uh, Steph Curry, I know it is the authentic digital clip because it is validated on the chain. I know the number. I know the sequence. I know the price. I know the custody chain of command on when it was minted, who are the first owners and who are the nth owners. And it is in perpetuity. That's the substantive Explain to me again, and I'm, and I'm, because this is so new, I think it'll be good for you and our, our listeners and viewers, right? So you were in Bombay, I was in Bombay. We saw that six that Dhoni hit in 2011. Presumably the ICC owns the right to that actual original moment. Now, what is, how does this work now? The ICC says, I'm going to take this clip and I'm going to say there is one original copy and then they put it out and they allow you to buy a piece of the original copy. And yes. then, but that, that copy is all over the internet already. And it's like kind of viewed by other things. So one, what does it do for me if I bid for it? Why would I bid a million or 10 million or $20 million for it? And, and how do I monetize it having paid that money apart from having the bragging rights to this? So how does this whole economic model work? Uh, maybe around that one idea of that, that, that six that, that kind of that, that, that rocked India? There are, um, there are two, three um, nuances that needs to be understood. One is a collector's item. Um, if you ever thought of owning that MS Dhoni 6 and wanting to monetize, I'd urge you to go and get yourself checked. That's, not I something that That's you why monetize. I'm asking you. So, I wonder how so you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to monetize that at all. You'd want to still store it in the deepest part of your of your cupboard or or the in the in the most usable part of your house as a as a video constantly playing, uh, it's it is the see in the art equivalent there is a lot of it that's available right. You said a lot of it that video is already available on on internet. That's true of Mona Lisa right, but you don't you don't skimp a Mona Lisa from a Google image and put it in the in the living room of your house and saying you know what I have the Mona Lisa. There's no authenticity to it, and today's consumers are all digital first. They probably are meeting more friends online than we, we, we met all friends of, offline now growing up years. And their life is digital. It's a matter of time before all the paintings in the wall of majority of the places become digital screens showcasing NFTs owned by them as real assets of, uh, of, of value, which is uh, mood-based. So if you have a breakfast catch up with somebody, it may have a specific NFT. If you have a dinner catch up with somebody, that same screen will morph into something else to create the mood and environment. 
you may want to have your NFT that your that is so precious to you as a part of your Apple Watch screen or as a part of your Zoom face or as a part of your DP. There's already work that's happening with Instagram and, and, and Twitter and the likes to draw down all the NFTs that you will own to make it available as a part of your, your profile. So I know this is the kind of personality that you are. In our growing up years, we knew, you know, if I come to your house, I see the book on your rack and I see the paintings on your wall, I know the kind of person that you are. But today's kids are not going to each other's house. So they will know it based on the DP that you have as what kind of NFT collectibles do you have? So what kind of a person you are? And it is opening up a world of economy, which is very different to what the original world of uh, concept of. You ask your mother. But who, I mean, like, you know, if you take my own thing, right? I mean, who owns that NFT? You know, who creates it? I'm just coming to it. it, So I'll, I'll, I'll address it. So I was addressing the first part of it, which is a collector's NFT. Okay. which is you you collect it and therefore you keep it in, in your custody and therefore you, you don't, it's like a Picasso painting. It's like a Ravi Verma painting or a, you know, Emma Hussein painting. You, you don't collect it to sell it. You collect it to, to keep it, right? The second part of it is a trading value uh, which is worth pe- people's time. The reason you collected trading cards was because you're trying to put a collector set together. So it may not be an MS Dhoni 6. It may be a all the, um, you know, uh, ashes captains or, or a collection of all the, um, you know, runouts that have happened in, in a World Cup or a collection of all the losing World Cup captains or a collection of, uh, you know, the, the last ball success in a World Cup. You could give the collection any different dimension. So you may have some, I may have some, somebody else may have some. Then that gets into a marketplace for trading value. I may be looking for Ashes captain, whereas you may be looking for uh, Indian captains. So I may do a trading value of that and do a sale of that. The ownership is with the guy who is entered into the chain as the true owner at that time till he sells it to somebody. And there's an economic value. It's a marketplace, right? Amazon connects buyers and sellers, and that's how NFT platforms are doing. So OpenSea connects buyers and sellers, uh, Rarible connects buyers and sellers. And there's a vertical specialization and there's a horizontal. There's a Walmart and there is a, a Apple store or there is an Apple store within Amazon and there's an Apple store as Apple store. So if you know what you're buying, you know where to find it. So to come back to this idea. So again, so uh, you're saying that there will be things that I will create myself and you know, therefore they're there. But I presume a lot of the NFTs will still be based on things that... Um, either have been generated by, in the world of sports specifically, by a player or by a federation or by a broadcaster, etc. right? So yes, is it the issue that they're going to now say, I'm going to create this marketplace where, um, you know, anybody can come in and own the rights to that? That's, that's essentially what's happening. No, I don't think anybody is going to be able to create that because their, their core businesses are very different, right? And a federation's job is to grow the game. And, you know, generate adequate revenues to help support and fund the game and the development of the game. And a broadcaster is doing something which is which is engaging and making content with platforms. NFTs are not going to be, um, you know, the, the, what should I say, um, 500 million people who watch cricket will all end up owning NFTs uh, in one year's time or two years' time. I don't think that's even the realistic expectation. It's like saying everybody in the world has an access to internet today. No, that's not even true after so many years of internet, right? I think it is allowing value creation, new streams of revenue, 
new engagement opportunity for the fans and a true sense of ownership on what you want to do with it i may create a as i said a collection which i may put it in my in my vault and in my profile in my life or there will be utilities that will uh, play out as the case may be but tomorrow i may have the collection is my question is it the is ownership it, is hmm? with the the ownership of the, the the collection will be will be created by either the platform who owns the, the set of rights because everybody is trying to give you a reason to come to the store right and th- that that is either a utility you know it's 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 allowing you for specific use cases and so you own a you know uh, an nft which which is of a world cup finals you may get a ticket to the world cup final or an upgrade at the world cup final if you have a ticket so that's how you drive consumer engagement in a very very different manner and that allows you to go back and buy that as a special experience got it so if uh, so for example you're saying i could uh, you know the platform buys the rights of certain things from let's say either the broadcaster or the federation and they create these collections and then they're putting it out on a marketplace and then the authenticity is clearly what you are saying the platform offers because you can say hey if suresh went and bought that then he is the owner of that uh that would still lead me to a question can actually players participate in this world i mean the part you know the the players as in the artist who makes the music or or the or the actual player on the field of play whether in football or not and two how does a fan participate for example and just a personal one you know there was a year in which just before sachin retired i went and saw him play around the world and i literally have all those clips and shots of what of that right is that the kind of thing where you can say hey listen someone can create a thing of saying here are some 10 great things and put it out there and as long as there are people willing to see value in it in that marketplace they will bid for and acquire it is that the kind of thing in which fans can participate in this i think the um, the participation of fans is going to come from uh, or be restricted from an ip ownership so just because you went to a stadium and shot it on the mobile phone you don't own that content right you know maybe it's a ticket stub that you own and then you collect the you know finals ticket stub of every world cup final or um you know wimbledon finals or every grand slam final or you know whatever that 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 is it's just not about collectibles in the strict sense it is about utilities it's about how can it open up newer world of utilities for example if i own a jaspreet bumra practicing yorkers theoretically right a clip of that and if i'm playing a cricket game on on video or on ea sports or whatever that there is if i own that nft it will open up new powers for me to be able to bowl more yorkers more frequently which will allow me to win a game which will allow me to get into leaderboard so that's what i i keep talking about utilities utilities can take shape in very many different forms it can if if you have a one thread nft you know you get a uber ride at 20% off so it becomes like the swords in um, in and and then the weapons that you get in all the the war games that you play i mean it's a bit like that you're saying so it, it can be used as a currency in many different ways it could potentially replace iap in gaming i'm not saying it will replace but i'm saying it could be a potential substitute for iaps in a in a gaming environment more importantly it could give fans the 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 responsibility over certain set of decisions you know some some clubs may turn and say you know what here is the set of nfts we want to listen to you because you are a loyal fan today there is no way to ascertain saying you know this guy has a debenture holder so he's a loyal fan of course he is but in in a lot of other leagues you don't have that but if i own uh highly valuable nfts of that club it just tells me how interested i am in that club in some capacity right 
it's like owning stocks and shares you're interested in the company you're interested in the performance of the company you're interested in the success of the company and what about from the player side do they do you see them ways in which they going to be cashing in on this whole thing or we're extracting value from this from this trend no no absolutely i think i think uh, this opens up uh, what i call a direct to consumer relationship opportunity between between the fans and the players which hitherto has not been in existence it sounds like there's going to be a lot of um, in the next 3 or 4 years this whole idea of what rights who owns it players federation broadcasters you know who can control it how can monetize it uh, especially in this new digital first world as you're saying there's going to be a lot of change in this industry uh, in the next 4 or 5 years would that be a um, uh, i think there is there is a, there is a clarity in terms of who owns those rights i think uh, the, the the game rights are obviously with the federation and over is conducting it and player has a set of rights player has the ability to add value to it the player has you know the ability you spoke about the, all the engagements that they had during social media during the on social media during the lockdown some of it could 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 be uh, monetizable at some point in time right and uh, you know the social media platforms could act as marketing uh, channels for uh, their direct to consumer monetization models and sundar what are your plans um, what's your vision for this whole metaverse in cricket i mean like you know you've been at the forefront of a couple of revolutions in this so what's your plans for for this with phase or you know even uh, on your own side uh, simply dive into the deep end of the ocean and try and see if you can swim that's 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 the way we're we're taking it and uh, um you know fan craze as as it's called phase is a technology company and uh, fan craze uh, dot com is where the marketplace is active and operational in fact there is a drop happening tomorrow you should try and see uh, you know what what you what you get out of it and you know and that's how fan your phase fan craze fan craze it's fancraze.com fancraze.com that's right okay so we'll try i'll head over there you check over tomorrow there's a drop and uh, you know it it just opens up newer and newer uh, challenges for for people to say listen let me first own it today the number of cricket nfts that are socialized in the marketplace itself is not as many so unless you socialize that many number of uh, marketplace nfts you're not going to be able to sort of uh, you know make a meaningful community around it and that's what is is happening and fanspaces is driving that change in in, in the manner that they can uh, do it metaverse is 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 um is is what i call the digital equivalent of a boardroom world call strategy everybody uses it but generally don't understand what it is uh it it is going to be uh it is going to play out itself and there are going to be some defining moments in 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 the days to come again going back to the the, the belief systems of web3 web3 requires a mindset just not a technology or a platform and i think that mindset requires um a lot more conviction amongst a lot of people to actually drive this change of decentralization and uh, individual ownership with authenticity and uh, you know verifiability at the heart of it thank you very much for that sundar it's been so many fascinating things that we've discussed right from the birth of the ipl to how people uh, are using data both you know to kind of deliver matchups and like you know how people are using data on players to decide play team compositions franchise rights broadcasting rights and finally how i think the new world of nfts will come into the world of cricket there's been so much we've covered 
Um, I think I loved what you said at the end, which is you're going to dive in at the deep end because you always struck me as somebody who's just uh, in many of these things. I remember when you first joined the IPL as a CEO, you said, yeah, I'm going and we'll see. So all the best in that journey. And for all our viewers and listeners, do go and check out fancraze.com, which is um, the latest in the world of owning big moments in history in sport. And uh, Sundar, absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm sure we'll come back and talk to you more as you develop out all of these new technologies. Thank you and look forward and thank you for having me. It's been an entertaining chat. My viewers and listeners, thank you for listening to us today. Staves to the Algo is available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. We release a new episode every fortnight, sometimes more frequently. If you like this episode, do not forget to like, share and subscribe. Remember to stay safe and most importantly, stay relevant in the world, not just of data and AI, but now of blockchain, NFTs and Web3.0. And remember, we do not want to be slaves to the algo, rather masters of it. Thank you and see you all.